Man, we are blessed. Golly, we're blessed. We have Jose and Taylor, our pastor, lead pastor, and wife right there. And now we got JD and Taylor. Cool staff, man. Tyler and Emily coming on in the last six months. God is blessing the work that's going on here because of you guys and your faithfulness. And uh, it's fun to get to be the old guy around here with the gray hair and watch all these young people sort it out. I love what I get to do uh, coming alongside people when they're hurting. And I think that uh, I'm pumped about the series we've been in, not because it's the most fun topic in the world to talk about, but because it may be the most necessary topic. I want to be a church that's addressing what's going on with, the, with us, with you guys. I don't want to just be irrelevant and spout out kind of truths that don't apply and don't make a difference. And so I like this series we've been in about healing and growth. And one of the most predictable and reliable paths to growth is something that none of us really enjoy very much. And that's the path through pain. Pain is what takes us to growth more often than not. But we're not big fans of pain. But it's worth talking about, and that's what we're going to address today. In the words of the philosopher DJ Rob Bass, joy and pain are like sunshine and rain. And I could wrap that for you guys, and I actually have a little dance I could do, but my kids are here, and they would have to climb under those chairs. Uh, I, do have, I do have one kid that would want me to do it, absolutely. So think about it for a second, though. It, it's more than just lyrics that rhyme. I mean, joy and pain, like sunshine. Anyway, we love sunshine. Everybody loves sunshine. What a great day. These guys are sitting outside. If you're at home, maybe you're on your back porch watching. It's a great day to be outside. The temperature's awesome. The sun is shining. We love sunshiny days. But the sunshiny days wouldn't be as fun or as important or as significant or as impactful if it wasn't for rain, because the rain's what makes the grass green and the trees grow and the flowers bloom. It's the rain that we need in order to really appreciate the sunshine. And it's the same way. We love joy. We love exuding joy. We're supposed to do that, but joy in contrast to pain, because pain is sometimes necessary to get us to growth and healing where we have true, authentic joy. And just like rain, sometimes we get too much rain, right? And rain becomes flood and rain overwhelms and rain washes things away. We can get too much pain and it can overwhelm us and it can, it can stifle us and it can stop us from reaching our full potential. We wanna make sure that pain doesn't get to that level and we wanna be able to address and process our pain. That's what today is about. How do we process the pain that's inside us? Because pain is necessary. If it weren't for pain, we would get ourselves into a lot more trouble. Sometimes just the fear of pain keeps us from doing some things that we shouldn't do. The fact that we can feel pain actually helps us in many circumstances. If you didn't have feeling in your hand, if you've ever been around anybody that doesn't have feeling in their hands, they will tell you that's a dangerous thing because they could be hanging out in the kitchen, having a chat with you and put their hand on the stove and just be relaxing and leaning there and their whole hand could burn up and they wouldn't even know it because they didn't feel pain. Pain is necessary to remind us of some things that we need to do and some paths we need to be on in our life. We don't need to be afraid of pain, but we have to know how to process it and what to do with it. Pain is a necessary part of life, but it's not the fun part. It's what we use to get us to the fun parts. If you have a child and they come to you and they're small and they have a boo-boo, that's a pain for them. And if you don't address that pain, what do they do? They get a little louder. They get a little more intense until you pay attention to it. And usually it doesn't take a lot of attention you moms can kind of kiss the hurt and it goes away, 
or if you find a Superman Band-Aid or something, that usually fixes it and it's good. But as they get older, the pain gets bigger and more significant. Maybe it's the pain of a broken heart that one of your teenagers has. You can ignore that if you want to, but it's only gonna get worse for them if you do. We know that we have to go toward pain and pay attention to it so that we can get to healing. We're not talking about wallowing around in our pain and being broken and exhausted and empty and proud of the fact that we can't get anything done in our lives. We're saying go toward the pain so that we can get through it. That's what Dr. Cloud is gonna address for us today. I'm thankful that this Bible gives us so much instruction for life. And I'm thankful that the God we follow is just realistic. Jesus said in one of his last kind of comments before he started making the move toward the cross, he said, you are gonna have trouble in this life. Now, there are other gods and other religions out there that would not make that statement because that's not a fluffy, fun, follow me kind of statement. But it's the truth. And I would much rather read the truth and learn to deal with the truth than ignore it. It'd be great, man, if my kids were completely obedient to everything I said and Christina submitted to every whim that I have in my marriage and that everybody around me cleared out of the way when I'm driving through the square so I don't have to wait, you know, in that long line of traffic. But that's not how the world works. We're gonna have trouble in this world. What do you do with the pain that comes from the trouble in the world? How do you deal with that? How do you process that? And how do you feel the pain of the people around you? That's what we wanna address this morning. Where does this pain come from? Well, I think you can kind of boil it down to about three sources. There's three significant sources of pain in our life. One is the fallen world itself. We weren't designed for this. We were designed for something different and better. It's heaven. It's where we're going if you have a relationship with Jesus as your Savior. But while we're here, things are going to happen. Natural disasters are going to happen. Tornadoes will happen. Hurricanes will happen. Floods will happen. And they will cause pain. Loss will happen. People that you care about will get sick. They will age. They will die. That causes pain. This world, in this world, we will have pain. Our bodies, as amazing as they are, they will fail you in some way or another as you age. Your knees get a little worse. Your feet hurt. Something else hurts. Hips go out. I don't know. Whatever else happens as you get older, your body will fail you. This world may be the source of your pain. There's also the fact that the people around you could be the source of your pain. It could be that the folks, you know, that supposed to love you the most failed you the greatest. And that's situations like abuse and neglect and abandonment and harsh words that cause damage. All of that happens in life. And some of us experienced that when you were younger, or when you were growing up, and it created wounds and fears and pain inside you. A third source of pain may be your own poor choices. Sometimes we just make the wrong choice. We get addicted to something. We spend too much time on distractions. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's the internet. Maybe it's pornography. Those are your choices that cause pain in your life. Maybe we make bad choices in our relationships. One of those three sources, though, is probably what causes a lot of the pain that's inside you. For many of us, it may be two of them or three of them. I thought for a moment that I would get you, because, you know, I, I really like you guys to participate. Like, I don't like to feel like I'm just talking to you. I want this to be an engagement. So I thought for a moment that I would get you to, like, raise your hand, like, think about the pain that you're feeling most significantly right now and either put up a one, two, or a three based on which one of those was the source of your pain 
And then I imagine myself sitting out there and somebody asking me to do that and me going, Christina is the source of my pain too. And her looking at me and then me realizing now, no, I'm the source of my pain because I held up too and I shouldn't have done that. So I'm not gonna get y'all to do that, but I do want you to at least consider which of those is maybe the source of your pain in the moment right now? Because if you can label it and figure out where it's coming from, you're a lot further down the road to getting the healing that you wanna get. Because pain is real and the consequences of the wounds in our life are significant. So I love that in this series we're in last week, we talked about boundaries and Jose went over that after the video. And uh, this week, Scarlett, uh, our, our kids' pastor, did a devotional, a women's pastor too. She's amazing. She did a devotional. I hope you're doing the daily devotionals. But she, she differentiated between boundaries and walls. And I think it's worth going back over because the pain inside us leads us sometimes to create good, healthy boundaries and sometimes to create walls. And there's a significant difference between the two. It's confused in our culture today. These words have become buzzwords. Boundaries is a buzzword out there now. You'll see it around social media in different places as if somebody just discovered it for the first time. Cloud and Townsend wrote the book Boundaries in 1992. This concept's been around for 28 plus years and it was around well before them. Gaslighting, anybody heard that term? People are throwing that around like that's the newest, latest, greatest thing and you're super cool if you use gaslighting in a sentence. That's been around since 1938 in a play, a British play, 1940 an American play and then movie followed that. Been around a long time. You're not cutting edge if you're using those concepts. But if you are using those concepts, I would really like for you to use them appropriately. Because a lot of people will say to you, no, I'm setting a boundary. It's like, no, if you really analyze that, you're putting up a wall. And there's a significant difference between the two. See, boundaries are godly. God wants us to put boundaries up to keep us from taking responsibility from things that we shouldn't and to keep us from allowing ourselves to get hurt by people who are toxic or damaging to us. Walls are not from God. Walls are these kind of significant structures that say, I don't have to feel, I don't have to think, I don't have to interact with you. I can push you out of my life completely and never have to care about you again. It's very different. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. So guard is the key word in that sentence. Actually, if you dig into the translation, guard really means to pay close attention to. It doesn't mean build a wall around it. It means protect it, but do it by setting good, healthy boundaries so that that flow, the, the wellspring of life can continue to flow out of you to the people around you. Boundaries are rooted in health, whereas walls are rooted in hurt. Boundaries say, I wanna be healthy and I need to set a boundary. Walls say, I'm hurt and it's not gonna happen to me again. Boundaries establish order and peace in our lives, whereas walls cause withdrawal and they push people away. And we're not designed to live in isolation. A couple of more differences. Boundaries protect us from emotions and situations that are not our responsibility. It's for each one should carry his own load, is what Galatians 6, 5 says. But walls avoid dealing with issues and trauma. They take that hurt and that pain that we feel and they say, I'm just gonna hang on to this and I'm gonna sit with it. And I'm not gonna get the health and the healing that I need. And finally, boundaries allow us to thrive and use our gifting, whereas walls keep us from relational intimacy and love. We wanna be healthy in the way we process the pain we're feeling in the way that we deal with that as we interact with others. 
So I think Dr. Cloud does a good job of describing this. We're going to listen to this video clip from him, and then I'll come back up and wrap it up. Okay, guys, so now we're ready for the third big issue. We talked about bonding. We talked about boundaries. Now we got another one to face, but it's kind of fun, really, because it can give you a lot of freedom, and that is this problem of dealing with the coexistence of good and bad. Now, let me tell you how this started. It started with you and I, you know, Adam and Eve. That's the prototype. We were created, the way you're designed and I'm designed, we were actually designed to live in a perfect world with perfect other people, everything around us perfect, and we were perfect. So what do you do when you're perfect? You just go live life. I mean, you, you know, you, you go and you play golf and, and you got to learn how to play and all that, but you, you know, things go pretty well and you have a relationship and you're naked and unashamed. When was the last time you felt that, by the way? You know, there's no problems and relationships don't have conflicts and everything's great until you keep reading the story and then there's a fall. And what happened was when we fell from our ideal state, we fell hard. And there's a problem. Not only did we fall hard and bottom out where everything's affected by this thing called sin, missing the mark, But we took with us the very idea and design and memory of perfection that lives within us, the design how we ought to be. So we fall, and here I am like I really am, and at the same time, I can imagine what a perfect me ought to look like. I can imagine what a perfect, you know, presentation ought to look like. I can imagine what the perfect spouse would look like. I can imagine what the perfect church would look like. And so that's rolled around in my head, and then I find that I'm less than that, and they're less than that. And so what do I do with this gap? See, that's the big problem. And there's a natural way we deal with that gap. When I'm not the way that I wish I were, my ideal perfect self, guess what I do? Here's where I am. You know what I do with this gap? Naturally, I judge it. I feel bad about it. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel ashamed about it. I feel guilty. I feel like a loser. And I look out and I tend to think everybody else has it all together and I compare myself and then I feel not good enough. Or you're in a relationship and you know how that person ought to treat you, but they don't. What do we do with that gap? Well, you know, we, we judge them. So you should treat, and we hold grudges and, and all of that. And that's not even to begin to talk about the very problems in the gap. Life ought to be like this. You should have been loved your whole life perfectly, but you were abandoned. You should have been loved, but you were abused. You should have been loved, but you were rejected. You should have been loved, but you were used. So now we got a couple of big piles of things that aren't good. We got the pain. So that's the pain of rejection and abuse and hurt and woundedness. That all sits in here somewhere. And then we've also got the bad stuff that actually belongs to us. You know, our own failures, the ways we've failed people, the ways that we have hurt people, the ways that we have failed to reach our goals, the ways that 
that, you know, just mistakes and problems. So now we sit with knowing how I ought to be, how the world ought to be, and how you ought to be in relation to me. And we sit with this reality of how it really is. Or what if you're, for example, you know, you're struggling with an addiction. And you go to somebody and say, well, you know, God says do this and you shouldn't do that. And, you know, okay, I'm going to try. But what do you do with that guilt and the shame? What we see is people going to the altar 63 times in a row, feeling bad and repenting, but nothing ever changes. And that sometimes is what we see as the Christian answer. Know how you ought to be, feel bad about it, repent, go do it again, or try to do better, and then you end up doing it again. Then somebody who's suffered through that and is on the recovery side, they come to them and they say, dude, you know what? You're not going to be able to pull this off on your program, which is basically having this perfect standard, and you feel like you got to live up to it, and you don't. Why don't you come over here with me? I'm going to take you to a recovery meeting, all right? Which is basically a small group that operates with biblical principles. The biblical principle is not to think you're going to live up to the standard of the law and just get better. <laughs> Instead of saying, I'm a failure and getting judged by that or for that, they walk in and say, Hi, I'm a Henry, I'm a whatever holic. The group goes, Hi, Henry, welcome. Right then, everything begins to change. See, that is the difference in the gospel's way of dealing with pain in every other way. Because the gospel says, when we're stuck in that cycle, Romans 7, the good that I would do, I don't do. But I do the very bad thing I said I wasn't going to do. Well, who's going to set me free? Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who have faith in Jesus. Once that level of safety is there, then we start to deal, and then we start to talk, and then we start to grieve, and like I said earlier, start to open up. And if you find a safe place without judgment and shame, and you can say, I'm really struggling with this, or struggling with my kid, or I'm struggling with this issue, or I'm hurting, or whatever. I mean, think of going to the doctor that takes the x-rays, and then they shame you for having a, a tumor or a cavity. It's not what they do. They say, you know what, we've got a problem here. Let's, let's embrace this and let, let's deal with it. So I want you to find a place where that gap doesn't have that critical tone and something magic happens when that happens. Now the standard, like sobriety or achieving goals or making better grades or reaching a career goal or getting out of a depression, now those goals don't judge us. They actually become something that we can move towards because we're no longer in conflict with the goal. We're not getting judged by it. And we can move towards it. We can grow. We become curious. And we say, how can I get better? But only in the safety. So that's a space you need. And if you look in the book, all these symptoms, depression, anxiety, panic disorders, addictions, you know, relationship problems. What What if every couple stopped judging each other and said, you know what, I get it. You're, you know, you're, struggling with your anger or this, that, and the other. But it's okay. I forgive you. I embrace you. But let's work on the problem. 90% of the problem is, you know, not even able to be touched because of the judgment and the shoulds and judging each other. But when we have the safety to begin to open up and do the skills in the book, we open up. We face our hurts and pains. Tell somebody you were abused. 
Process that pain. See, that's how do you have healing of the brokenhearted if the brokenhearted can't open up and make the pain available for somebody to touch it and heal it? How do you have correction in our ways and learning new patterns if we can't receive feedback and correcting one another like Proverbs says if we don't have the safety to do that? You know, there's this big phrase out there, you got to forgive yourself or whatever that means. I don't know exactly because we're not the judge anyway, but I know what it means. That basically it's saying, get off of your case and just say, this is me, and then receive forgiveness from the outside, and you start to internalize that. Well, also the same thing for others. You'll never get over anything that anybody's ever done to you if we're not able to forgive them as well. It's a hard pill to swallow, but it sets you free. Because when we're holding unforgiveness, what we're doing is we're continuing to stay connected to the abuser internally. When we forgive them, we let it go, and we can move on. So I talked about the safe space. I want you to have that. But let me tell you one last point on this. There's a very critical safe space that you need. It's in your own head. So you also have to deal with the internal judgment, the critical voices, perfectionistic standards, comparisons, and begin to process pain and sin and failure in ourselves and others and have a space for that inside and room to grow. And then you'll find the changes that heal. I like the way that he described that uh, difference between the perfect place we want in our own lives, the health that we want, the relationships we want, and then reality coming in down here. And pain is really the thing that's in between those. And we all have experienced pain. For some of us, for some people that come in for counseling, that pain is 20, 30, 40 years old. It happened in childhood. They tried to bury it. They tried to ignore it. They tried to move it into the unconscious. But the reality is it continues to affect their behavior. See, that pain undealt with has significant consequences. It leads us to act and perform in ways that rob us of authenticity and genuineness and healing and health. So we need to do something with that pain. And I think he nailed it. He said, you know, unfortunately, mostly what we do is we bring judgment to that pain. It's stupid that I feel that way. It happened so long ago. Your parents really don't have that much impact on you. There's so many other people that have got it worse than me, and we judge that pain. And what he said we need to do instead is just to be able to find a space where we can accept that. Because again, the consequences of that pain cause us to act in ways that are unhealthy and not good for relationships. That's why Paul said what he did in Romans 7. Verse 15, he says, I don't even, why am I doing, like, I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know the truth, and yet I do something very different. It's because we all have baggage and history and pain and wounds and fears, and undealt with, those cause us to do things like drink or do things inappropriate in relationships or find addictions to kind of distract us from the pain and the hurt. We do things that we shouldn't do and we know we don't want to do because we've got this unresolved pain. So what's the answer? Stop drinking. Stop doing unhealthy things. Yeah, that's a good answer. But healing comes when you get back to the pain. And you're like, I need to find a safe place to disclose where this pain is and what it is and be curious enough to try to make sense of it. And finding a space where people love you well is so critical where they balance grace and truth and time and the way they interact with you. That's why just a few verses later in Romans 8, 1, Paul just kind of keeps the thought going. He says, but with God, there is no condemnation. His desire is not to judge 
our poor choices and behavior. His desire is to care with compassion for the hurt and the wounds and the fear that we feel. We need to allow him to do that, and we need to be willing to do that for each other. Simple definition, I think, for this is what we need to create for each other is these environments where we can process pain in a safe, supportive place, free from judgment, where we can be heard with understanding and compassion and empathy. If you have pain that's significant, you need a place like that. And if you've dealt with your pain and you're healthier and you're in a good spot, you need to be that place for somebody else because it's our job to go out there and comfort others with the comfort that we first ourselves have received. So if somebody's done that for you and you're in a good spot, be ready to be a listening ear for somebody else. And for the pain that you're feeling, be willing to be bold because when you do this with the right person that then adds just time and gives you their time and also just reminds you gently of the truth, man, the healing process is well underway. We've been highlighting ways for you to do that, for you to deal with the hurt and the pain and the things going on in your life over the last several weeks in this series. And so today I want to talk to you about Celebrate Recovery as we conclude, because I think it is exactly what that last screen says. It is that safe, supportive environment. It's an amazing program. Bob Moss, Kate Robbins uh, lead that up, starts back up in person. It's been going consistently uh, now through all this pandemic on Zoom, but actually they meet in person for the first time tomorrow night, 6.30, meet back in person. It's a nationwide program. Rick Warren Saddleback Church started it, but it is exactly what the screen says. It's a Christ-centered program for anybody struggling with addictions or hurts or hangups. Just need a safe place to go and talk and have some people be Jesus for you in conversation. I am incredibly proud of so many of you that have reached out to the prayer ministry over the last few weeks, that have called a pastor and said, hey, I need to have coffee and talk, that have said, hey, we need something for our marriage and our relationship. We need some counseling. Where do we go? Who do we talk to? You guys are embracing this and you're doing it. And the healthier we get, the more attractive we're going to be to a lost, fallen, unhealthy world, and the more we're going to be able to be Jesus out there to them. And that's the goal. So let's keep it up. You have felt pain. You know what it's like. Talk to somebody. Don't bear it alone. We get to bear one another's burdens and in that way fulfill the law of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful to be here today. I'm thankful for the folks who showed up here this Sunday morning in person. I'm thankful for the ones who tuned in via the live stream, and I'm just glad, Lord, that you are our king, that you are not a distant God, but you are ever present amongst us. You are right beside us. You are here ready to comfort us. You are our safe, supportive place. You remind us of truth, but you show us compassion and grace. You give us time, and at the same time, you want us to be the fullness of what you created us to be. Help us to walk closer to you and feel your healing presence. Help us to be healing for each other. Be safe, authentic, and transparent. Lord, where there is judgment, replace it with curiosity. Instead of, oh, I know why it's that way, let's change that to, I wonder why it's that way. Help us to care for each other and listen to each other in that spirit. Lord, I thank you for your love and your presence and your grace. Thank you for the fellowship of the believers that exists here this morning. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.